pray. Father, as we come now to open Your Word, we, we ask that You would help us to understand Your Word as You speak to us through the pages of Scripture. Father, give us Your Spirit. Help us to see this morning in these three bad kings of Israel and understand that we as well must decide whether we want to live without You or with You. Oh Lord, God bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of Your Word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 16. First Kings 16, we'll begin at verse 8, and we'll read this morning through verse 28. Hear now the Word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha, began to reign over Israel in Terzah, and he reigned two years. But his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him. While he was at Terza drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, who was over the household of Terza, in Terza, Zimri came in and struck him down and killed him. In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. When he began to reign, as soon as he had seated himself on his throne, he struck down all the house of Basha. He did not leave him a single male of his relatives or his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the house of Basha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Basha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Basha and the sins of Eli his son, his son which they sinned, in which they made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Eli and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri reigned seven days in Terzah. Now the troops were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. And the troops who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and he has killed the king. Therefore all Israel made Amri the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. So Amri went up from Gibbethon and all Israel with him and they besieged Terzah. When Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died because of his sins that he committed doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking away of Jeroboam, and for his sin which he committed making Israel to sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri and the conspiracy they made, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Timnai, the son of Ganath, to make him king, and half followed Amri. 
But the people who followed Amri overcame the people who followed Timnai, the son of Ganoth. So Timnai died and Amri became king. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Amri began to reign over Israel. And he reigned for 12 years. Six years he reigned in Terza. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver. And he fortified the hill and called the name of that city that he built Samaria. After the name of Shemer, the owner of the hill. Amri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did more evil than all who were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And in the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. And the rest of the acts of Amri that he did and the, that, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Amri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we finished up with chapter 15 and entered into chapter 16 of 1 Kings. And we looked at two kings, Nadab and Basha. Again, these kings were kings of the northern Ten tribes, and we saw their continued idolatry. They continued in all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. We saw Basha, both of these men, but especially Basha, living by power instead of living by the promises of God. And then we saw judgment on both of these kings. And so this morning we come again to the northern kingdom, and we have three more kings given to us, Elah, Zemri, and Amri. And things are not getting better, they're getting worse. These three kings, they continue on in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. They continue on in idolatry and causing Israel to continue in idolatry. Each of these kings that we have before us this morning, they wanted to live without God. They did not want to live under the the rule of the one true God of heaven and earth. They wanted to be autonomous. They wanted to rule over Israel, but with no thought of God. And as we are confronted with these men, we too must decide whether or not we will live with God or without Him. Now this week we had a stark reminder of what happens when one lives without God. When a woman thinks she is a man and goes into a church school and murders children and teachers. That's what it means to live without God. And no doubt she is getting her just desserts this very day by the judgment of God. And so I want us to notice three things here this morning. First of all, we again see judgment. That is a common theme 
in 1 Kings as we come to the northern ten tribes. God once again brings judgment upon one of the kings of Israel and this time it is Elah. Elah is the next king after Basha. He is the son of Basha. And he began to reign over Israel and Terzah. And he reigned all two years. And so what happened to Elah? Well, he had a servant by the name of Zimri, commander of half his chariots, who conspired against him. And, and there was Elah at Terzah. Now we know from our text that Elah's army wasn't there. They were fighting. They were out fighting. And, and we notice here as well as they were lay, laying siege to Gibbethon and fighting against the Philistines that there is the king Elah in his house and he's getting drunk. And so just as, as Basha destroyed the house of Nadab, so Zimri destroyed the house of Elah. And so we have a, a, a mafia-style violence here. We have Zimri coming as the king is drunk and he strikes down the king and kills him. In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, reigned in this place. Now, did you notice that with each of these kings, we have a time marker with Asa, king of Judah. Why is that? Well, God wants us to see how, how a godly king ruled in Judah and how long he ruled. With three of the, or two of the, uh, of the three of these kings here this morning, we find a combined rule of two years and seven days. But Asa, the godly king who brought reformation to Judah, he continues to reign over Judah. Now we see that as Zimri destroys the house of Basha, all of his relatives, all of his friends, it was an act of wickedness, but yet it was God's judgment. It was God's judgment against Elah. It's another proof this morning that God's word always comes true. Elah, again, was the son of, of Basha. God had pronounced judgment upon Basha and his sons. Why? For worshiping other gods and leading his people into that same sin of idolatry. And so we're not to think of Elah as an innocent victim. You know, I think this needs to be said. We are not to think of that woman who did what she did as an innocent victim because she's not. And so Zimri murders the king. And we hear of the death of Elah. We read that the rest of the acts are they not written in the book of the Chronicles. Now we will... We know that Elah did accomplish some things in his two years. But yet, at this moment, God doesn't want us to know about them. He is focused on one thing, the continued idolatry of Israel. And so there is Zimri, he is king. And, and the second thing we see is Zimri's short reign. You thought two years was short. How about seven days? Zimri becomes king in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned seven days in 
Terzin. Now again, they, there were troops encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. And the troops heard of the coup that had just taken place. And what we see here is that Zimri, who was a violent man, came to a violent end. And you know, the Bible tells us that a lot. It tells us often that violent men come to violent ends. Zimri murdered the king. Yes, it was judgment from God, but he went farther than just uh, murdering the king. He then murdered all the relatives and all the friends of the king. And so now, Zimri, as he rules, his life will be cut short. Now, Zimri did plot the assassination, but he did not have the support of the military. And that would be a, a huge problem. Well, while Zimri was busy sending Elah to an early grave, another coup was happening. We hear that in verse 16 and 17. And the troops who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and he has killed the king. Therefore, all Israel made Amri the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. And so Amri went up from Gibbethon and all Israel with him and they besieged Terzah. So while there was one coup, there's another one taking place. The, the people, they decide to make the commander of the army king. And so he goes where the king is and he besieges the city. Zimri sees the writing on the wall. The city is being taken over by Amri. And so he goes into the citadel of the king's house and he kills himself. He sets it. On fire. And he stays in the fire and he dies. Now, notice he dies because of his sins that he committed, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam, and for his sin which he committed, making Israel sin. Now, this too was an act of judgment. Now, at the human level, we just say, well, he just killed himself. That is sad enough. But under the will of the sovereign God, his death was an act of divine judgment. God did not even give him a year. He, did not, he gave him one week before he came in judgment. And so the word of God ruled against him. And Zimri died in his sins. Now after his death, we have the same refrain. Now the rest of the acts of, of Zimri and the conspiracy that he made, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And then we come to the third man, the third king, Amri. Now of these three, he has the longest reign. But of these three, he is the most evil. Now we will see in the coming weeks that he has a son. And we heard of that son at the end of our text, Ahab. And as Amri exceeded in wickedness and evil, Ahab will far surpass him. 
We hear of Amri becoming king in verses 21 and 22. The, the people of Israel, they were divided. Half of them wanted Timnai, the son of Ganath, and to make him king. Half followed Amri, but the people who followed Amri overcame the people who followed Timnai, the son of Ganath. So Timnai died and became, and Amri became king. Now again, this man is the worst of all three. Elah was a drunk, as Zimri was a murderer, and now we can say Amri is the epitome of evil. Now think about this for a moment. The fact that he follows Zimri in such a rapid succession shows an obvious sign that things were falling apart. Now again, we go back to Judah. What is happening? Asa is ruling. There's peace. There's a godly king on the throne decade after decade after decade. But the, the, the northern kingdom is almost divided again. You have two factions. You have two, two factions at war with each other. And they almost divided once again into another faction. There was civil war. This war lasted several years. But Amri would not be denied the prize of the kingship. And and he had the, the, the more stronger men who were following him. And so he became king. Now as we hear that he's the epitome of evil, humanly speaking, he was a great king. Look at what is mentioned of him in our text. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver. And he fortified the hill and called the name of the city that he built Samaria after the name of Shemer, the owner of the hill. He, 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 he unified his kingdom. And he built a capital city. He established peace even with the, the southern kingdom. So he built that new capital, Samaria. Samaria was a city to rival the capital that David built in the south of Jerusalem. But it was another city that was set on the hill, purchased from a a private property owner. It was situated in a strategic location and and it commanded a whole wide view of the surrounding country. And Samaria remained the capital of the northern kingdom until Assyria came and attacked it in 722 B.C. Until the northern kingdom was taken into captivity. And so just from a human point of view, he was successful. He was a a man who made his mark on history. And this is confirmed by us by documents from ancient Assyria which refer to Israel as the land of Amri. And his dynasty, not his rule, but his dynasty lasted for three generations. Now his rule was 12 years. But still much longer than the two that preceded him. And so while Amri was a success in the eyes of man, notice what God said of him beginning in verse 25. Amri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did more evil than all who were before him. For he walked all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger 
by their idols. Did you hear that he, he did all, he did more evil than all who were before him? He was, he was worse than Jeroboam. At this point in history, he was the worst king of Israel. Now, he will be surpassed. But right now, he is that worst king. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam in every respect. He continued in the sins of Jeroboam. He caused Israel to continue to sin against God. And he angered the Lord God of Israel with what? Their worthless idols. Christian, if you get nothing else from 1 Kings, know this. God hates your idols if you have one. Whatever that idol is. Money. Possessions. Family. Whatever it is, God hates it. And he tells us to tear it down. Omri died, and the rest of what he did is written. At least he does get this verse at the end. He, at least we hear that he slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. Omri died, but his dynasty continued. And he was buried. Now what do we learn in these three bad kings? Well, the first thing we learn is this. We see that the human race and that man is incapable of his own moral improvement. Now why is that important? Well, because that's what we are told, right? That man is capable of improving himself in his own strength and with his knowledge. The Bible tells us something differently. A sinful man cannot improve his own moral condition. Sinful man is sinful inside and out apart from the grace of God. If you want to see someone uh, who is not fully acting out all of the wickedness of their heart, but being close. You saw it again this week. I keep taking that back to that because it's a perfect example of what a wicked person does. They murder innocent people. And they had no reason to murder innocent people. They, they lash out at the church of Jesus Christ. And what we saw this week was persecution of the church. Do not miss it. You had a sinful, confused woman wanting, thinking somehow she could change her gender, what God gave her, by the way. And because one time she attended that school and, and they would speak out against such things, she said, well, I think it's a good day to go and murder people. That's wickedness. That is evil. And without God sovereignly working in our lives, that would be us. Sometimes we get prideful and say, well, we couldn't do that. Well, without the grace of God in us, we could do that much worse. Without God sovereignly working in the life of a sinner, that sinner will never come to faith in Christ. Remember in the Gospel, Jesus tells His disciples salvation is impossible with man. And he's right, salvation is impossible with man, but it is not impossible with God. 
And so sinful man, apart from the grace of God, they will continue in their idolatry. They will continue in their worship of false gods or worship of self. They will continue in their unbelief and they will die in their sins. Now what we're seeing in our society today with, with all this confusion of, of, of sexuality and gender is it, just what God told us in Romans 1, isn't it? That when men are left to their own devices and their own sinful hearts, that is the natural outworking, what we're seeing. Now second, what will our own lives or families look like a generation from now? Now what are we seeing in these kings of Israel? That the sins of the sons are continuing on from the sins of the father. There's no intervention of grace by God as we saw in Judah with Asa. Remember when we looked at Asa a few weeks ago, there would, been, there would have been no one that looked at Asa that would have said he would have been a follower of Jehovah because everything in his life was against him. But God intervened. If God does not intervene with our families and the sins of the Father will continue on generation after generation to the sons and the daughters. And even though Amri did some really good things, he built Samaria, a, a city that would remain through the, the, the coming of the Lord. If Amri had not built that city, there would not have been the Samaritan woman that Jesus met. And while he did many good things, those things did not matter to God, for they were not done in faith. It doesn't matter what we do for God. If it's not done in faith, God, it does not matter to Him. And so if we desire our families to change, it begins with us. It begins with every one of us who have children or grandchildren recognizing our sin, turning from our sin and turning to Christ. Third, there was again no good king in the northern kingdom. We will not see one. You will not hear of one. Again, Ahab will outdo his father. But you will hear of good kings from the south. And you will hear of one in particular that will come in God's time. And not only is he a good king, he is the perfect king that would come from the tribe of Judah. And that is Jesus. Jesus Christ is that perfect King that we are all to worship and submit all of our lives to His rule. He is sinless. He, he does not commit the sins of all the kings uh, of Israel. He came to do something that was remarkable. He came to save the worst of sinners. Even drunkards and murderers and idolaters. Isn't that amazing? As we think back to the events of this week, if that young woman would have repented of her sins and turned to Christ, if her life had not been taken, if she was put in prison for, a hundred, uh, for the rest of her life and she would have been or put on death row and one day she had come and repented of those sins and turned to faith in Christ, Christ would have forgiven her. But yet we see the quick justice of God against her. Again, we think of our own lives. What were we before God saved us? Idolaters. 
Maybe some were drunkards. We are sinners. And God saved us. Jesus accomplished all that was needed for the salvation of the chief of sinners. That's what Paul called himself, the chief of sinners. Paul of all people. Of all the apostles, it was Paul that said, I'm the chief of sinners. And so as we look to the perfect King, as we look to Jesus who who lived and died and rose again, why? For the salvation of His people. For the salvation of all who would come to Him in faith. And And so the question is this, what are you going to do with your life? The most important thing is to see your sin and your need of Christ. And come to Him in faith. Come repenting of your sins. Now in your arrogance and pride, you might say, well, I don't need Jesus. I'm a pretty good person. I think I can do it on my own. The answer to you this this day is no, you can't. Without Christ, you're wicked, you're vile. And there's nothing good in you. And as only as you come to Christ repenting of your sins, that you are made good by the righteousness of Jesus. And so as we hear this this morning, God has blessed us with the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is a visible representation of the Gospel. It is Jesus Christ dying for sinners that is before us in the bread and the wine. It is the only legitimate picture we have of Jesus. And so as we come to this table, we come in faith. We come trusting in Jesus and Him alone. We come trusting in Jesus who is the the perfect King sent by God to save the vilest of sinners. So if you're without Christ this morning, then you come to Jesus, that perfect King. You come to Him turning from your sins and trusting solely in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And as we come to the table this morning, may we come rejoicing in what Jesus has done for us in His life, death, and resurrection. May we come thankful because without the grace of God and without the Spirit changing us, None of us would know Christ. None of us would be redeemed. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And O Lord, we pray that You would cause us to see how we are to be living our lives for You and not for ourselves. Lord, I pray for any who are here that at this moment in time, they, they are apart from You. They are far from You, for they are, are far from Christ. Father, work in their hearts now by way of Your Spirit. Show them their sins. Show them their need of Christ. And bring them to faith. And oh Lord, may the rest of us who are in Christ, may we live for You, not for self. May we love You more than our idols. And may we serve You faithfully. We ask as we come to the table this morning that it would be a means of grace for all who partake in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.